going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest, greatest edition of the Nesson After Hours podcast. It is presented by People's United Bank. Emerson Lazia here, Celia Godwin there. And we've got not one, but two glorious guests today because there is quite a bit going on here for the New England sports teams, is there not? Yes, uh, we put a bow on the NBA draft late Wednesday night. We've got Chris Grenham of Forbes Sports. He's here to grade the Celtics new draft class and offer some insight to what happens next because there's some other needs that the Celtics need to fill. Plus, Zach Cox of Nesson.com, the Nesson Patriots podcast, offering some interesting tidbits about this Patriots-Texans Week 11 matchup. Uh, so let's go ahead and get right to it. Chris, uh, you're not operating on coffee, as I found out. You're insane, I dude. I don't <laughs> know if I can trust people that don't drink coffee, but adrenaline, pure adrenaline right now. Uh, how are you feeling? Have you slept at all? I have an unhealthy lack of sleep is what I'm operating on at the, at the moment, but I feel good. The draft provides a nice adrenaline rush because you kind of, this year, it feels like we've been preparing for this for two years at this point, just because the pre-draft process was so long. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fine. I'll be tomorrow morning. It's probably when it's all going to hit me, but I'm feeling good right gonna now. going to crash. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> crash. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. So you're lucky you got me this morning. Yeah, it sounds like you'll have a nap in your near future, bud. Without That's question. What like, uh, what'd you think of uh, what the Celtics did last night? I know Celtics fans probably weren't thrilled with it. It seemed like there was a lot of nitpicking, especially with the Peyton Pritchard pick. Um, there was a lot of good guys on the board back at 30, but overall, I think it was a pretty good night because realistically they checked off a couple boxes that they needed to, they needed shooting and floor spacing off the bench. They got that from Aaron Neesmith. They needed a, a potential backup point guard candidate and they needed a guy who can also provide an offensive punch from a backcourt standpoint. And Peyton Pritchard does that too. I know people run off of their mock drafts and run off of their big boards that they look at across the internet. And they see Peyton Pritchard ranked in the 40s and they kind of panic. Oh, what, you know, what is Danny doing? It's another Carson Edwards. It's another small guard. But it's really not because this, this draft in particular, there were some really good guards deep into the draft and they're all kind of grouped together. So you look at guys like Trey Jones, you look at guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Peyton Pritchard, they're all kind of thrown together. And so I don't really think it was that much of a reach as people are saying. And I think Pritchard's a guy who played four years at Oregon and he's kind of ready to come in and contribute right away he play he plays his tail off like Celtics fans are really going to like him he's a competitor I know the talk leading up to the draft was to consolidate the picks try to move up um because Celtics didn't have the room didn't have the money to sign four rookies uh they ended up getting three picks trading away one to the Memphis Grizzlies uh but but what happened why couldn't they get a trade done it's clear the market was not it, it shrunk the market shrunk in front of everyone because you at least expected some movement out of other teams toward the top of the board. And it was relatively quiet all night. It wasn't like it was just the Celtics who weren't able to get a deal done. And Danny's market kind of shrunk in front of him. It was league wide because I think if you were to ask most draft evaluators this morning and after the draft last night, they would say it was surprisingly quiet. Um, and sometimes that's just the way it works, especially this year when everything is so condensed, it's a new off season environment that, no one's really ever experienced before. So you're dealing with a lot of teams who might be more hesitant to go into the trade market because, well, man, free agency starts in less than 48 hours. So they've got other things to kind of, to kind of go after. And right now it's like, you know what, we'll just stick with what we have pick wise. And for the Celtics, yeah, that's kind of tough because they had too many picks and we knew that going in, 
but I think they did a good job managing it. They got rid of the 30th pick and were able to bring back two second rounders from Memphis where, you know, it doesn't really do much like that probably won't mean much down the road, but either way, it's an additional asset that they grab because they couldn't use that number 30 pick. And then they take 47 and they grab a draft and stash and Yamadar who is a guy again, draft and stashes are swings. You get your guys who hope they hope they develop because you're basically participating in secondhand development for a couple years. And he's a guy who could be overseas for one to two years. So I, I think that was a good swing, but you know, it's easy to say it's disappointing that they weren't able to consolidate and move up into the top 10, like they, like they want, but I think they would have ended up giving up too much uh, to move up that high. And so I think they ended up just fine without it. Yeah. Cause to me, it kind of feels like it was a hell of a night for the main red claws. It's just going to be like the sickest G league team ever out there. How, it's more how, excuses for me to go to Portland. So I'm fine with that. Right. How, so how soon will these kids contribute? Nate Neesmith. And I got to get used to that. Not Naismith. It's Neesmith. Uh, yep. I, uh, so him and Pritchard, right off the bat, as far as I'm concerned. Pritchard is a guy who might find himself in a bit of a training camp battle because the Celtics have a lot of point guards. They've got Carson Edwards, potentially Tremont Waters coming back. Lord knows what's going to happen with Brad Wanamaker. I would think that he's probably going to be elsewhere, but again, we're not really sure because training camp starts in two weeks. Uh, But Neesmith is going to contribute right away. Like he's a guy who's got good NBA size. He can shoot. Danny Ainge said it last night. He could probably outshoot anyone on the Celtics roster right now. He's arguably the best shooter in that class. So he's a guy who's going to come in and contribute right off the bat, which is what Celtics fans and the Celtics were looking for. So, so that's a huge positive. Uh, We know he can shoot. He only played in 14 games last season after having uh, surgery on his ankle, any concern over the small sample size of the injury, or is this guy as advertised? I mean, he's an NBA talent for sure, just because of the size and the mechanics of his shot. So looking at that alone, like he's an NBA shooter for sure. But it is worth noting that, yeah, like his, so people see his stats and they say, wow, this guy shot 52% from three last year. Crazy. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like this is incredible. But (laughs) realistically, he played 14 games against, I'm not trying to be a damper, but he played 14 games against a pretty weak non-conference schedule. He didn't put up 52% shooting in the SEC. Um, And so, yeah, he probably still would have shot pretty well just because he did a lot of work in between his freshman and sophomore seasons that went a long way. But there is something to be said about the context in which that 52% percentage came from. Um, And yeah, the stress fracture in his right foot was a concern. There was reports as of draft morning that teams were pretty concerned and it could push him down the board. It clearly didn't. I mean, teams had these medicals for a long time. This was a long pre-draft process. So I know if there was any real legitimate concern on the Celtics standpoint, they, they wouldn't have taken him at 14. Yeah, and he wasn't as strong like his first year there. Like right. I'm uh, looking up like his numbers because I know nothing about any of these kids like whatsoever, which is, which is why you are here. <laughs> did uh, did the Gordon Hayward situation have the Celtics handcuffed at all throughout this? Uh, I don't I don't know if handcuffed would be the the term. I I think it's hard because Gordon Hayward had the leverage last night for sure. Because if they're gonna get anything done, it's got to run through him during draft night because he still has the option, you know, out there. That's why extending that deadline to Thursday really benefited him and hurt the Celtics. It didn't like handcuff the Celtics, but looking at it from a sense where they can't really move him unless he says, yeah, I'll go sign there. So in that sense, yeah, they were a little bit handcuffed, but again, just the way the market shaped out, I don't think there was anything there, even if they had the go ahead, you know, do you really want to move him to Cleveland for the number five pick? 
and then have him sign with Cleveland. And then you maybe get an Andre Drummond in return. Like I know Celtics fans seem to like a lot of money too. Like owed a ton of money. He just opted into his player option. So then you got to pay him. So then that eliminates the luxury tax relief that really benefit. That's a, a positive of getting rid of Hayward. So I don't know. And Gordon Hayward's uh, I'm sorry, Andre Drummond just isn't the fix for the Celtics also, but I just don't think the market shaped out. So yes, he had the leverage, but also I don't think there would have been a, too much opportunity last night. But is there a fix? Like you said, you don't think Drummond would be the fix. What is the fix, I guess, for the Celtics then? Well, a lot of Celtics fans wanted it to be James Wiseman. They wanted it. There was a report early in the day on Wednesday that the Celtics were trying to move into the top three. And then people started talking about James Wiseman <laughs> and maybe he's the, he's the big man of the future. But realistically, if the Celtics were to run it back with the same team that they have right now, and they, they run it back with Gordon Hayward. I'm not sure that's exactly what he wants to do, you know, being that number four option again. Um, he was an all-star coming in. I'm sure that's not what he's looking for, but that's not a bad scenario for the Celtics. I know that's not the ultimate fix because you're not getting that big. Um, Onyeko Okongwu from USC would have been a great fix last night. Just because you love he, this guy. I love him, yeah, because he provides that defensive versatility as that not, you know, huge five, but he's a perfect modern day big who provides that defensive upside that you look for in a bam out of bio or something like that. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be bam, but yeah, like, one of the great stories last night too. That, yeah, exactly. Oh he, exactly. He's like, like, you can't, you, you can't really watch ESPN? that. It's like, Oh my God, like here's the best moment of this kid's life. Now here's the worst thing that ever happened to him. I know for a fact, <laughs> they, those, those camera crews show up at those poor prospects house. Like those poor kids are sitting there best day of their life. <laughs> these ESPN camera crews show up. Congratulations. This is going to be the greatest, greatest day of your life. Tell me your greatest strategy tragedy. Like that has happened to your family, like anything, like let us know. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, he, 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 he would have been, he would have been a, a great grab for the Celtics if they were able to trade up. But again, I don't know if you need like that ultimate fix. Like it's not necessarily, um, a a one you know check that box and then the Celtics are good if they can grab a veteran in free agency which I think they'll make an effort to or in the trade market who knows they add a third team in and a Gordon Hayward deal I think a veteran presence off the bench who can add another scoring punch would be nice Seals did you see last night too like the Anthony Edwards first overall pick like let's not even show his Georgia highlights. Let's go straight to his peewee football highlights. <laughs> because he cares more about I, football. He, what the he, hell am I looking in at? an interview a couple of days ago, he kind of got bashed for these comments that he was like, you know, football is his first love. He's not that, you know, passionate yeah. about basketball. He doesn't like to really watch it. He's not really that into it. And it's like yeah. this is the first overall picks saying <laughs> he doesn't love basketball. Um, I mean, I wasn't concerned about a comment like that because at the end of the day, he, he's obviously a baller. Yeah. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on, on, on Edwards? I mean, Edwards is extremely talented. He's a hell of an athlete, but it's hard to not be a little bit concerned about his one, his love for basketball, because again, like you're not that into it. Like, yeah, there's a lot of Andrew Wiggins there. There's a, mm -hmm. I don't want to say Anthony Bennett, but there's a lot of that there too. Guys who are just kind of these raw projects who, yeah, I'm a great athlete. Like I could have gone and done something else. It just happens to be basketball. <laughs> uh, so that that's a little bit of a brag. Yeah, he wants, yeah, he wants right? to be a rapper too. I think <laughs> like if you're the Timberwolves and you're throwing, you're throwing the kitchen sink at him, like this is your future. You're probably a little bit concerned. I, I have a hard time seeing their, their, 
not being some concern there, but uh, I don't know. Edwards is a good athlete. I'm not crazy about the outlook of his shot. I'm not a huge believer. Not very efficient. Not very efficient. And it's still a little wonky, like his mechanics. I'm not really crazy about it, but again, the Timberwolves are in a spot where they do have some pieces already. They can kind of gamble on that athletic wing. And if he pans out, he will be a great fit for that system. Is Michael Jordan going to beat the crap out of <laughs> yes. Lamella Ball? Yes, he is. <laughs> I, I said this last night. I I really would love to be a fly on the wall for that first <laughs> instance in the in the Hornets practice facility where whatever reason, maybe Lamello's still moving in, but his family is in Charlotte and there's just a long hallway and it's MJ and it's LeVar Ball just walking towards each other. There's no mm. one else there. Who's going to say the first word? That is going to be a fascinating fit. I mean, it gives LaMelo gives Charlotte some excitement. Like I don't want to be mean, but they've had nothing going for him really since Kemba left. I love Terry Rozier as a guy. He is not the answer to just pay a millions and millions of dollars and, and kind of run with your franchise. So at minimum, like from a marketing standpoint, LaMelo's fun. He's exciting. And, and I think that helps Charlotte. Now, Gosh, Michael, that's, that's going to be funny. Yeah, all Michael Jordan needs to do now is just humiliate LeVar Ball in a game and of one one Come on, you, you know how that. competitive MJ is. Like, just from all the things that we were able to see in the documentary this past summer, but just in just knowing him in his entire career, like, the, dude, dude, the likelihood of him suiting up, like, just putting on, you know, some yeah. shoes real quick and saying, all right, let's go one-on-one, man. <laughs> like i would love to see that live do it for like charity like let's go like people... it'll probably get more viewers than a hornets game so it'll be good to go <laughs> oh man uh dude chris uh, really appreciate you joining us man and, and helping us kind of understand all of the moves that the celtics have made and, and not made and what they did in the draft on uh wednesday night dude so seals and i uh, appreciate him we've enjoyed having you on nest and after hours and television show as well lately of course thanks for having me on i appreciate it go get some sleep I'll do yeah, my for best. real, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, rolling on to week 11 in the National Football League. Patriots, Texans kicking off Sunday, 1 p.m. on CBS. Zach Cox of Nesson.com and the Nesson Patriots podcast joining us now. Zach, uh, Pat's rolling on a two-game win streak right now. What's the mood like with these guys heading into the weekend? Yeah, it's, uh, it's much more cheerful than it was just a couple of weeks ago, that's for sure. Uh, this was... This game against the Ravens the other day was probably their biggest win since the Rams Super Bowl. I mean, that sounds kind of like hyperbole, but the Patriots <laughs> didn't really have any sort of signature wins during Tom Brady's final season. It was all them kind of beating up on a bunch of bad teams and then losing to a bunch of good teams. And where with kind of where they were in the standings and where they are in the playoff hunt, this was a game they absolutely needed to win, and, and they did. It was impressive. Why is Bill Belichick ranting and raving about a two and seven football team that they're playing? <laughs> is this just because of his relationship with Cornell? No, I actually, I'm sure that that plays some into it. I'm sure he doesn't want to bash his, his buddy's team, but yeah. I think this was a classic case of Belichick kind of speaking to his players through the media where Patriots have to be so high right now. They, they just upset a, a Baltimore Ravens team that, has the reigning MVP, was one of the best teams in the league last year. Now you're facing a Texans team that by most metrics is pretty terrible this year and really isn't going anywhere anywhere considering they already fired their head coach and GM. I think this was Belichick's way of saying, hey, if if you overlook these guys, you guys are going to come out and get beat and then look like idiots. So I think this was one of these cases of him trying to trying to keep his guys focused and say, hey, there's no no trap game here, no kind of let down. Yeah. 
they, they need yeah. to sort of keep up the energy they had last week. Yeah, two and seven, playing. two and seven, and those two wins coming against the Jaguars. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, the Jaguars are great, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, dude, we were, <laughs> I say we, yeah, because that's uh, it's my hometown down there. But 1-0 hey, after week one, we beat the Colts. Well done, sir. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, I've been impressed with Bill just this entire year with how candid he's been. And then the comments, you know, about the ongoing situation in Armenia. I, I mean, this is like a whole new Bill we're seeing here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was the Subway commercial. I don't know what did it to him. Uh, yeah. But staying on topic, but staying on topic here, uh, the, the Texans are are they really as bad as as advertised? Because there were a couple of games this season where they were they were still in it. They're pretty bad. I mean, they're not <laughs> worst team in the NFL bad. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, they they kept it close. You have Deshaun against, Watson. You Packers, have JJ Watt. Kept, yeah, they, they've got. I mean, Deshaun Watson's still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. They still have a lot of talent at wide receiver. That's probably one of the deepest receiving cores in the NFL with Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb. Those are some talented players in there. But on the whole, if you look at their numbers, it's, they're pretty far down toward the bottom in, in most categories, offensively and defensively. I, I think one area that's going to be a big issue for them this week is that their run defense is Ooh. the worst in the oh, NFL by pretty mm. much every metric there. Last in rushing yards allowed per game, last in yards allowed per carry, last in run defense, DVOA. And, as we all know from watching the Patriots over these last couple of weeks, they can run the ball as well as almost anybody in the NFL. So I don't think that uh, that stacks up too well uh, for the Texans in this game. Their rushing offense is also pretty bad and they don't have David Johnson, their top running back in this game. So I, I don't know. I mean, you have to be cautious and wary of Deshaun Watson and of those receivers. And obviously you have to block JJ Watt and know where Whitney Merciless is on the field. They, they, they still have some players. It's not like this roster is, just barren and terrible but overall this looks like a pretty big mismatch uh on paper even considering where the patriots are uh this season it seems like a lock for the fourth 100 yard rushing game of the season for damian harris right you would think so i mean i'm just curious to see what happens once sony michelle gets back into this mix because bill belichick did say that he hopes to have sony michelle back on the active roster or back on the 53 man roster, at least uh, this week, he's, he's working his way back from, uh, from a quad injury that landed him on injured reserve. Hasn't played since week three. So he's been out for a while. Uh, what we've seen from Damian Harris, I like a lot more than what we saw from Sony Michelle over the last couple of years. Uh, and considering they're kind of redundant players, I think there's a chance that Sony Michelle just won't even have a role when he comes back. He could even be uh, a healthy scratch. In, in this offense once he's uh, once he's activated off IR. But knowing Bill Belichick and knowing the way the Patriots handle their running backs, you could easily see Sony Michelle come back in and then immediately get nine to 10 carries a game, which would kind of throw off all the uh, fantasy projections for Damian Harris. So yeah. I don't know. I think the Patriots would be smart to stick with Harris and kind of leave Michelle just there as an insurance policy. Uh, but it's, it's really hard to predict these kind of things with uh, the way Bill Belichick handles his backfield. Uh, outside of Sony Michelle trying to make his way back, Julian Edelman also trying to make his way back. He was pretty excited about Jacoby Myers, his touchdown pass. Um, so uh, any updates there on Jules and, you know, maybe him getting back there, throwing a little bit too, because Bill is pulling out the tricks now. Edelman was not at practice yesterday uh, on Wednesday. 
Um, and he, he's currently eligible to come off injury reserve at, at any point now, since he has missed the three games. Uh, I would be a little surprised if that happens this week, just because he, he wasn't at practice on Wednesday. We'll see if he gets back uh, Thursday or Friday. It doesn't sound like Belichick is in a real hurry to kind of rush him back onto the field. Uh, he did say that everything's been going fine with Edelman's rehab. He hasn't had any setbacks. He's progressing in the right direction. Uh, and everything that we've heard around Edelman does sound like he will be back with the Patriots at some point this season, which was kind of a question once he initially got hurt and underwent that, that knee procedure. There was speculation whether this would be a, a season-ending or potentially even career-ending type thing uh, with where he is in his career. But but based on Belichick's comments and based on some of Cam Newton's comments earlier this week, it, it does seem like Edelman is on track to return at some point in the near future. I don't think it'll be this week, but it could be uh, within the next couple of weeks, as long as everything uh, goes to plan with that rehab. Can you explain to me why JC Jackson was initially left off the pro bowl ballot? I mean, it's the guy who leads the league in interceptions here. Yeah. I think part of it was just the way that the whole balloting is set up. Um, the whole thing is, is set up to when, when you pick a pro bowl team, it picks a, a base defense. So it's kind of a, either a four, three or a three, four, and then four defensive backs behind them which no team in the NFL really runs all that much anymore, especially the Patriots. The Patriots basically are in their nickel or dime defense constantly. So because JC Jackson isn't technically a, a starter, he got left out because he's, because uh, Stefan Gilmore and Jace, Jason McCourty are the starters. I mean, that all makes sense. I still think it's a little weird that he's played the second most defensive snaps of any Patriots player this year. He leads the NFL in interceptions. Like, you probably should have found a way to, to get him onto that original ballot, but uh, it does seem like people caused enough of a stink yesterday that the Patriots uh, reversed course and, and decided to put him on the ballot uh, after all. And I mean, Oh my he, God, it was like, almost like it was numbers. a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you were supposed to do to begin with. Just Seriously, cause, I mean, just cause you, a stir and then it'll happen. Yeah, Social you, media. Yeah. You can't really argue with the numbers with, with JC Jackson this year. I mean, mm -hmm. especially even yeah. though like, the basic numbers that a lot of voters go off and interceptions. He's leading the NFL in interceptions right now. That's reason enough for him to be on that ballot. No doubt. Um, Chase Winovich looks like he's out of the doghouse. Uh, what changed there? Yeah, seriously. It, it was, uh, it's been interesting to see these last couple of weeks. He, he really against the jets two weeks ago, kind of got back to his early season form uh, played, I think like 60 or 70% of snaps in that game after really not playing much at all in the previous three games. And then in this game um, against the Ravens uh, the other day, he played almost every snap and he played a different role too, which was very yeah. interesting to see. He's been basically exclusively an edge rusher outside linebacker type since he joined the Patriots and against Baltimore, we saw him playing as an off the ball inside linebacker a lot, which he said he hasn't done since high school. Uh, didn't do it at all at Michigan at Michigan. He was basically a hand in the dirt defensive end most of the time. Uh, so it was, it was interesting that the Patriots chose to use him in this role, but it was pretty successful. I mean, I, I thought he played well in this game. He was involved in a ton of plays. He was in the backfield a lot. Uh, Patriots defense as a whole did a really good job against Lamar Jackson and that Baltimore offense. Uh, I, I know the rain probably limited that offense a little bit, but uh, that's a team that's based on running the ball and they were not able to run the ball too successfully against this Patriots defense. So yeah, I don't know if it's something that we'll see more of from Chase Winovich going forward because the Patriots are such a game plan defense where they change what they do from a week to week basis. Mm -hmm. But 
it at least now is something that they know Chase Winovich can do. And it's something that other teams have now seen. So they have to uh, prepare for that to potentially happen. So yeah, definitely uh, interesting developments uh, for Chase Winovich. All right, so how much better are you feeling right now about the Patriots playoff chances? We're, we're this close to being to 500 again. I'm feeling a lot better. Honestly, I, I sort of mapped out the whole playoff path the other day and I think they have a good chance of making the playoffs. It's going to take some help from some other teams because right now there are five teams tied at six and three for those three playoff spots. Uh, And the Patriots at four and five are two games back of that. So they have a little bit of ground to make up and they have to hope that a couple of those teams sort of tail off over the second half of the year uh, because as it looks right now, this could be a, a year where you need to go 10 and six to, to get into a, a wild card spot when in some previous years you could go nine and seven or, or eight and eight. But if you look at how it's set up, I mean, Patriots should win this weekend against Houston. They should win in week 17 against the jets. And then there's a five game stretch against Arizona, the two LA teams, Miami and Buffalo. Those are all losable games, but they're yeah. also all winnable games. You've got a lot of young quarterbacks in there. The Patriots, tend to do very well against young quarterbacks. I think they're 24 and two in their last 26 games against first or second year quarterbacks. Um, they've always had success beating Buffalo in, uh, in Foxborough. Uh, they came very close to beating Buffalo up in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago. If Cam Newton hadn't fumbled that ball near the end of that game, uh, they, they've got a tricky back-to-back in LA, which is going to be tough because the, I don't think the COVID rules will allow them to stay out there. Uh, during that week so it's going to be a case where oh, yeah, they that sucks cross country four times in about four yeah. or five days which is going to be a little bit difficult but that's not going to be easy overall i mean i you you could make the case that this baltimore game was the hardest game remaining on their schedule uh, and they took care of business in that game it's going to be tough going forward i mean arizona is going to be a tough game miami is going to be a tough game buffalo will be a tough game but <laughs> i can see it happening i can see a path for the patriots to get to 10 and 6 or, or 9 and 7 which depending on how the rest of the, uh, the AFC shakes out could be enough to, to sneak them into that seventh spot. Yeah. When they go out to LA, they're going to take on a 14 year old with the chargers. <laughs> That's a what terrible they, haircut, man. It's, oh my goodness. Why did they do why? that to that poor boy? Like that hair? Why would, he, <laughs> why, why would you mess that up? He let his strength and conditioning coach cut his hair too, which oh is, my goodness. just sounds like the worst idea in the entire world. Like, imagine having that flow, that lettuce, and then thinking it's a good idea to cut it off. Never a good idea to cut off the flow. uh, He looks like the bully from uh, Christmas Story. Oh, yeah. He makes the, yes, I'm I'm well Yeah, and he's got, got, like, all he needs is that little, like, raccoon cap, but he, that's the first thing that came to my mind with that. Yeah, tough. And then making kids, like, like, Colds, like yeah, know, Scott Fargus. That was his Coles. name. <laughs> uh, Sid, Sid from Toy Story. We ran that in the show last night. That he kind of looked a little. He just looks like a punky kid, not nose kid. I mean, he just something about when you guys cut your hair or shave off your your facial hair, you look like a whole decade younger. Mm. Yeah, if it's I got true, rid of this, I would look like I was maybe like 16, 17 tops. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not a good look. It was Dude, not a I, good idea. Uh, Zach, by the way, you uh, called the the win for the Pats over the Ravens, by the way, in the pregame chat show. So well done there. Are you going to call? That's why we had you on. Yeah, that's, is, that's the only reason why we had you on. I appreciate uh, but, it. it. It earned me a, uh, a repeat guest spot here. So I guess it was worth <laughs> it. <yeah. laughs> um, are you, you are calling a win, though, against the Texans this weekend? I, I think so. I, I think this is a game that the Patriots should win. Um, you can't really say any 
game is is a kind of a shoe in obvious win for this Patriots team because we have seen them lose to some pretty weak and or bad teams so far this year. Uh, and they came very close to losing against the Jets a couple of weeks ago. But uh, I, I do think this game stacks up pretty well for the uh, for the Patriots to come away with the win in this one. Make it three in a row. <laughs> Let's go, dude. Zach game Todd. changer, baby. Thank you so much, sir. We appreciate the time. Thank you, guys. Later, bud. All righty, Emerson. You've had an eventful morning. You have more work to do probably today. Uh, so with uh, yeah. that, let's wrap am, up this baby. Uh, I am uh, happy to announce that I am negative for COVID-19. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! So Emerson, I didn't want to share too much because I, I oh I, I don't care. It's not even, I, I'm just I'm just so happy fault. that your scare, which I think all of us at some point are going to have a scare or have already had one. I'm glad that you're you're good, my friend. Stupid man, people just be responsible, and then you don't have to ruin my life. <laughs> crying out loud, dude! It sucked. I waited like for three hours in the cold last night. And it got turned away at Tufts. So I had to wake my ass up and get out there at like 6.30 this morning and wait for like another three hours. It's miserable. So just no, be responsible. That's it. I'm just, I'm just happy that you're, you're okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a scary time right now with, with cases spiking all across the country. I am knowing more and more people that are testing positive for the coronavirus and their symptoms are all over the place. They're how they're feeling, it's all over the place. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a scary time, but you know, mm -hmm. everyone be safe, be diligent, make sure you're washing your hands, social distancing, wearing your mask, and just, you know, keep it, keep it to the, you, you, the people in your house, you know, Amen. Zoom, FaceTime, if you, if you need some social interaction, but right yeah. now is we kind of need- Like we're almost there. I feel like we're almost there. Cause you yeah. see like the companies come out and say, hey, like, you know, I've, I've got a bunch of these vaccines like that are 95% effective. Great, let's just get there. And then we'll return to normal. Yeah, no kidding. We're so close, people. All righty. That's going to do it for us on this edition of Nesson After Hours, the podcast presented by People's United Bank for Emerson Latvia. I'm Celia Godwin. We'll see you guys next time.